you were lucky and company was coming, they would put out the crock of Wisp Pride wine cheddar. <laughs> um, and that now we have, now that we're all conversant, and not just us, but kids are conversant in things like baby greens, and that, you know, the cheese counter at Fairway is, you know, this cornucopic variety of soft and hard cheeses, domestic and imported, and not just at Fairway, in New Jersey, at places like Costco, in, in the South, at supermarkets like Publix, all over the country. And I thought, surely there are interesting people who, with stories behind them who, who affected all these changes that resulted in this very rapid, as I said, accelerated evolution. And in order to conduct my research for this book, I decided to grow my own chef. And um, I ordered a kit from Edmund Scientific, and, and it, he turned out pretty well. Um, a few glitches. Yes, yes. The talk back gene has not been removed. Exactly. <laughs> but I did happen to know this guy who proved very helpful and instrumental in, um, you know, telling me at least his side of the story and some of the people who came before him, names who you may or may not have heard of, people like Jonathan Waxman and, and Jeremiah Tower, who in the 80s and 70s were, were pardon the pun, towering figures in food. Some of them, maybe their stories have been forgotten now. But the, the bottom line is food people are charismatic, interesting, nutty, contrary, brilliant people. And they haven't been given their due the way, you know, say Ernest Hemingway and his colleagues have been given their due, or even, you know, Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones. You think of all the bios and the books that have been written about them and about the Kennedys and politics. Every realm of American culture, popular culture and otherwise, has been given a sort of thorough examination from the human standpoint. Who are the people who made this happen? And I think food has been ill-served in that regard, and I want to redress that imbalance and also have a lot of fun doing it. And um, the result was this book, and I think Mario is just such a good example of one very important facet of this, which is how, until the 70s, being a chef was considered a disreputable career path. It was a trade. It was officially listed by the Department of Labor as a trade, like a dog walker or, or, or a you know, domestic servant. It wasn't considered a profession like doctor or lawyer. If you told your parents you wanted to be a chef, they would, they would put their heads in the oven and not to teach you how to cook either. And um, I'm, did you, I'm wondering, first of all, you're just old enough that it was not the cool era to become a chef. Was that ever? Um, it's true. Yeah. When I started thinking about cooking professionally, which was about the time that I got to college, it at that point was still the last job you did on your way out of the army before you went to jail. <laughs> And that's because it was considered potato peeling and anybody could do it. Which in fact is to a certain extent still true. You could still learn to be a relatively competent wine cook in a diner in a matter of six or eight weeks. Not necessarily a creative person, but something that was, that you could actually be relatively competent at much more quickly than say you might have to learn how to write for say GQ magazine or, or another job like, I don't know, doing the, doing the, uh, the spinner world for the, uh, the local uh, circus. The, the carny folk. The carnies. Yes, yes. But mine, mine, mine was a slightly different path. I was very excited about cooking in our house, although not professionally. And my parents actually, before I went to college, suggested that perhaps I should go to cooking school instead of uh, university. Hmm. Now, in retrospect, I'm glad I still went to university. I, I would recommend it for everybody for two reasons. One, to have fun, and two, to learn a little bit about yourself and your friends and how to choose both. But 
at that time, it was still not hip, but my parents thought it was a great thing because they were still supporting the idea that if you find something that you like to do, you'll be a lot happier than if you didn't. So without too many more words, I decided to cook professionally in the restaurant portion of my college growth at Stuff Your Face and had a great time. And that was what really turned me on to the idea of the adrenaline addiction that is what happens during a finely tuned dinner service every evening when a bunch of people of like mind work together in something and it works out really well. That isn't to say that there aren't disasters, but in terms of having fun every day in your job, it's one of the funnest jobs. It's certainly the funnest job I've ever had. And I have to say, you came from a pretty worldly family. You lived in Spain for part of your life, your childhood, I mean, and... Uh we weren't that worldly. We had lived in Seattle, and then we were lucky enough to move to Spain. So that one move made us seem a lot more sophisticated than we were. But we, we did travel around Madrid on a bus, so... I didn't say you yourself.